0: Up and down Bitcoin goes, and where it ends up, well, if you do know that, would you mind sharing with the rest of the class? Um, Bitcoin, can can you, yeah, yeah, I I knew that you could, we're getting off to a start here with one of our debaters, Tim Draper, but I'm going to keep moving forward and tell the rest of our audience that Bitcoin, the first cryptocurrency, has been called a bubble, a fad, a scam, a tool for terrorists and crooks that is doomed to disappear, And yet, some fiercely smart people believe in Bitcoin, believe in it because they say it takes vision to see how this first-of-a-kind digital currency will thrive and soar once everybody else recognizes its utility, that it will liberate us from the corrupting influence of central bank meddling in currencies like the U.S. dollar itself and from a system where the middleman is always taking his cut. Bitcoin, they say, is the solution and just getting started, wild price swings notwithstanding. So which is it? Well, to us, this sounds like the makings of a debate, so let's have it. Yes or no to this statement, Bitcoin is more than a bubble and is here to stay. I'm John Donvan. I stand between two teams of two experts in this topic who will argue for and against that motion. As always, our debate will go in three rounds, and then our audience here at the Adam Smith Society's 2018 national meeting in New York will choose the winner. As always, one side wins, unless there's a tie. And if all goes well, civil discourse will also win. A reminder to our audience, we've asked you to vote on this motion before you actually hear the arguments being made. You still have a chance to do that. If you haven't yet to cast your pre-debate vote, visit iq2us.org forward slash vote on your browser, iq 2 us org forward slash vote you'll get prompts for the motion against the motion or undecided undecided is a perfectly reasonable starting position uh and we'll keep that open for a few more moments and again i want to remind you it's the difference between the first and the second votes that will determine our winner our motion is bitcoin is more than a bubble and is here to stay let's meet our debaters first on the team arguing for the motion please welcome patrick byrne Patrick, you are CEO and co-founder of Overstock.com, which was the first major retailer to accept Bitcoin as a payment method. You're also CEO of T-Zero. That's an ICO trading platform that you founded. Wired Magazine has called you the Messiah of Bitcoin. You have also been called the Scourge of Wall Street. <laughs> messiah and Scourge. Do you, do you embrace these terms, this strong language? Well,
1: I'm reminded of a line of Oscar Wilde's when a play opened at the Abbey Theater you got this rousing ovation, and one man stood up and said, You're a fraud. And Wilde stood up and said, Frankly, sir, I'm inclined to uh, think you're right. But in the face of so much acclaim, who are we to disagree?
0: <laughs> Thank you, Patrick Byrne. And your partner here today is Tim Draper. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Draper. Tim, welcome to Intelligence Squared U.S. You're a venture capitalist. You're the founder of Draper uh, Associates and DFJ and Draper University. You were an early investor in companies some people may have heard of, Tesla, Hotmail, Skype. How does
2: Bitcoin compare? Oh, this is bigger than all of those combined. This is bigger than the Internet. It's bigger than the Iron Age, the (laughs) Renaissance. It's bigger than the Industrial (laughs) Revolution. This affects the entire world, and it's going to be affected in a faster and more uh, prevalent way than you, will, uh, you ever imagined. I wish
0: we knew what you really thought. <laughs> Thank you, Tim Draper. And again, the team arguing for the motion. <clears throat> and with the motion, Bitcoin is more than a bubble, and here to stay, we have two great debaters arguing against. Please fil- first welcome Eric Posner. Eric, you're an, inti- an Intelligence Squared veteran. Welcome back. You're a professor at the University of Chicago. You are one of the most cited legal scholars in the United States, author of a lot of books, including Radical Markets, Uprooting Capitalism and Democracy for a Just Society, which is going to be released next month. In a sentence, in a sentence, what is a radical market?
3: In a sentence? In a sentence. A professor? Uh, well, a radical market is a market that is... Designed so as to promote both uh, welfare and equality. And many of our markets need to be improved. um, And this book suggests various ways that that can be done. You know, with the punctuation you used, that actually was one sentence. (laughs) Well Well done. Thank you, Eric Posner.
0: And your partner, right here, also a returning debater to Intelligence Squared, Jillian Tett. Jillian, welcome back to Intelligence Squared. Uh, Jillian, you're a best-selling author. You're an award-winning journalist. You're the U.S. managing editor of the Financial Times, where you oversee global coverage of the financial markets. You uh, at an Intelligence Square debate back in January, in which we were debating the nation's economic outlook. You happened to mention that your 14-year-old daughter had friends who were buying Bitcoin. Would those friends vote against you if they were here for this debate?
4: (laughs) Well, if anybody here in the room has got a teenager in their lives, you know two things. Firstly, if an adult said the sky is blue, they will say it's red. And secondly, you do not ask a teenager for advice about anything, (laughs) let alone your investment portfolio. (laughs) So I am sure that whatever I say, they will say the opposite.
0: Yep. well, I get that. Ladies and gentlemen, the team arguing against the motion. Thank you to all of you. And so we move on to round one. Round one uh, will be opening statements by each debater in turn – those statements will be six minutes each. Tim Draper, you can start making your way to the floor. Speaking first for the motion, Bitcoin is more than a bubble, and here to stay, here is Tim Draper, venture capitalist and founder of Draper Associates and DFJ. Ladies and gentlemen,
2: Tim Draper. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming to this, and um, thank you, Intelligence Squared, and uh, in the Adam Smith Society, and uh, the, our makeup girl who tried to make me look better. Um, I, um, I I wanted to uh, say that this is sort of the perfect audience. It's a bunch of millennials, and uh, and and it's it, this is all going to be in your hands. It's what happens to the world. Do we have a world that you kind of grew up in, where you are deeply in debt? You are coming out with, with a bunch of facts that don't help you get employed, and uh, you're coming into this world that's this, your grandfather's fiat world that's very controlled and constrained, and you're saying, what? Does this make any sense? And you have a major opportunity right now. All of a sudden, this amazing thing happened. Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto came up with a new kind of currency. And now, let me take you through a history of currencies. Uh, We used to use shells, and we'd carry around shells, but then they got too bulky. And then we moved to gold, and then gold got too bulky, and we kind of ran out of it. And then it was the promise of gold, or the promise of silver. And that was like a silver certificate. And then it was like the full faith and credit of the... U.S. government, and that's the Federal Reserve note. And you're, you're looking at it, and you're kind of going, well, okay, well, what is this? It's just paper. And they say the full f- 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 credit of the U.S. government. There's, there was a huge debate, much like this, huge battle about should we go off the gold standard? And, and people said, no, it's just paper. We can't do that. We have to be on the gold standard because... Gold is really what this country is built on. And, uh, but paper, it just sort of abstracted things. And then it got further abstracted. Currency, what, what did currency become? And all of a sudden, there's this currency. It's awesome. Because we, we have, like a Federal Reserve note, you are relying on a third party to hold your currency, right? You, you rely on a bank. Uh, I, whenever, whenever you walk down a street of a city, look at the biggest buildings in the world. They're all banks. That's your money that's gone into their buildings. Think about it. I mean, when you go to Las Vegas, it's like, you know, why are all these beautiful buildings here? Well, it was your money. It's the same idea. So now you've got this new currency, and your trusted third party is a hundred thousand computers that are all focused on making sure that every single transaction is done perfectly. So uh, now, do you think that humans are going to make sure that every single transaction is done perfectly? I've had 15 times where a bank statement was wrong. In fact, the bank actually gave me $2 million at one point. Just here. It, it was there in my statement. I had to call them, talk to 15 people, figure out where that, uh, why, I, why I had this extra $2 million and, and, why, and, you know, to give it back, I had to go through about 15 people. So in this case, uh, you've got a new currency and it's virtual and it's, and it's something that, um, that transcends geographic borders. So you don't have to um, be reliant on your country. I had this great guy came up to me, and he said, his his name is Sebastian Serrano, and he said, you know, I lived in Argentina all my life, and uh, my family fortune disappeared three times, and I'm only 30 years old, and it's just disappeared to currency manipulation." And you know, as you know, the Argentinian peso has dropped 30% a year. Same thing with Nigerian Naira or whatever. Anyway, Sebastian said, I'm going to start this business, and I'm going to build it all on Bitcoin. And he did, and uh, and, it was an, and it's an enormous success. He has since created a new currency called Ripio, and, uh, and it's one of the top currencies of the world, cryptocurrencies of the world. Um, Now, people ask um, things like, is it a bubble? The whole premise of is it a bubble is ridiculous because our last bubble, what was that? The internet bubble. Was that a bubble? You guys still use the internet. I see some of you actually using it right now. (laughs) That was no bubble. That was an amazing transformation of our world. It affected many different industries. It affected... uh, Information, communications, banking. It affected, uh, well, it didn't really affect banking. Banking had a way of kind of slipping through. Um, it affected uh, gaming. All sorts of things were affected by, by the internet. Car, or uh, taxis. So, um, so now we've got another currency that has the ability to change enormous industries. And it will change it can change banking, insurance, real estate, and government itself. Tim am I I'm out sorry, of time? time up. Thank so, you very much. So I, I want you to, I want to make sure that you vote. Uh, vote for no bubble or whatever. <laughs> I, I I I am dying, I am really anticipating and enjoying the idea. Of uh, hearing from these two, because let's, I, let, then, I have no idea. Then let's do it. How anybody <laughs> would vote no here? Thank you, Tim Draper.
0: Well, our next debater is going to make that argument. The motion is Bitcoin is more than a bubble, and here is here to stay. Here to argue against that motion, Eric Posner, law professor at the University of Chicago. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Posner.
3: Thanks very much. Um, I'm going to start with a quotation. When the profits of trade happen to be greater than ordinary, overtrading becomes a general error. Now, I assume you're all familiar with that quotation. It's from The Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith. He was talking about the Great South Sea Bubble of 1711 to 1720. uh, Adam Smith, the great theorist of the free market, was also a keen observer of the world around him. He understood that bubbles occurred and they existed. The South Sea bubble, which was uh, a kind of a speculative mania in the stock of a company that was supposed to invest in South America, destroyed many fortunes, uh, damaged the British economy significantly, and continued to re- reverberate um, up into, through the rest of the 18th century uh, when Smith was writing The Wealth of Nations. Now, what exactly is a bubble? Uh, Many people are skeptical despite the long historical record of bubbles, culminating in the most recent bubble in your lifetime, the real estate bubble of the early 2000s, which led to the financial crisis and the Great Recession. A bubble occurs when the price of an asset deviates from its underlying value, and the deviation is maintained for a significant amount of time. And the question is, why does this occur? Isn't the market price supposed to reflect the actual value? And the uh, explanation is complicated. Usually, there's some kind of accident. Sometimes, a new technology. That's what happened in 1711. People get excited. The early movers make big profits. Everybody else sees this and they think, "Well, that's easy. They just bought this thing. We can do the same." As people chase their tails or their neighbors, trying to get rich, the uh, the price uh, uh, the price spikes. Now. A price can go up in an asset just because that asset is very useful. And so we have this pattern already of the, of the prices of, of Bitcoin going up and then down a little bit. And the question is, does that reflect the bubble mentality, the speculative mania, or something real? So what I want to do uh, in this opening statement is just to give you three reasons to think that a bubble is taking place now. And the key idea I want to convey with you is that the very elements of of Bitcoin that its supporters cite as support for their view that Bitcoin is this great new thing is also the greatest uh, vulnerability for Bitcoin. So first, anonymity. Okay, So Bitcoin transactions are anonymous or more accurately pseudonymous. People use codes that are difficult to trace back to them. And this, of course, is is attractive. People want to keep their financial transactions private. Two problems with this. The people for whom this is most attractive is criminals. That's why there's a great deal of criminal activity in the Bitcoin uh, market. Bitcoins are very good for uh, money wanderers, drug criminals, human traffickers, and many other criminals. Um, And then there's another problem, which is that Bitcoin is only anonymous for very sophisticated people, sophisticated criminals especially. Ordinary people can't master the technology. And as a result, ordinary people have come to rely on intermediary institutions, a bit like banks. Wallet companies, for example, exchanges and you don't get an anonymity with those companies. Those companies typically insist on the identity of their customers. So ordinary people don't really get anonymity ultimately if the government uh, believes that they're engaged in criminal transactions. Sophisticated people, sophisticated business people and criminals do. Second feature. Of, uh, of Bitcoin, the fixed money supply. There can never be more than 21 million Bitcoins because of the way that the program was uh, designed. This is said to be good because um, uh, national currencies sometimes are subject to inflation, which um, it can be a nuisance and in extreme cases a, a terrible, cause terrible uh, problems. The problem, though, is that a fixed money supply is no good either. Fixed money supply leads to deflation, which is just as bad as inflation. People will hoard the currency, as they are with Bitcoin, because they believe that it will be able to buy more goods and services in the future. A currency that is not used is dysfunctional. Bitcoin can't be successful as long as there's a limited money supply. But even more important than that, the government's control of the money supply is absolutely essential for addressing financial crises, like the one we lived through in 2008, and addressing recessions, like the one we lived through in the years after the financial crisis. If the money supply is truly fixed, the government is helpless. Back when the United States was on the gold standard in the 19th century, there was an endless cycle of speculative manias, crashes, and terrible depressions. Far worse than anything we've experienced since the Great Depression. Now, this leads to a third point, which is, in fact, the money supply is not really fixed. That's actually a bit of a myth, and it's connected to the third element of Bitcoin that its supporters cite, which is the decentralization, the idea that nobody controls it, and so we don't have to worry about manipulation. Okay, Now, that is false, and it's important to understood that, understand that it's, that's false. It's true that Bitcoin isn't like the dollar, which is controlled by the central bank, a bunch of political appointees, but it is controlled by the Bitcoin miners, the so-called miners, the people who create Bitcoins as a part of the uh, trans- transaction confirmation function that they serve in this, in this uh, currency n- network. It turns out that a very small number of people uh, own the vast majority of Bitcoins. And the way that it works is... When the Bitcoin protocol needs to be changed, and that has to happen, and it has happened several times, it's the Bitcoin miners, the people with 51% of the computing power, who determine that. Who are they? We don't know. Probably a lot of foreigners, possibly foreign governments. Uh, I'll have another Adam Smith quote for you, but I'm out of time, so I'll just say, Bitcoin is a bubble, vote no on the motion. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Eric Posner. And a reminder of what's going on, we are
0: halfway through the opening round of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan. We have four debaters, two teams of two, fighting it out over this motion. Bitcoin is more than a bubble and here to stay. You've heard the first two opening statements and now on to the third to debate in support of the motion. Here is Patrick Byrne, CEO of Overstock.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Byrne.
1: Bitcoin is more than a bubble. It is here to say you should vote yes. Uh, here's why. First of all, for 6,000 years, humans who engage in consensual exchange have had to go about it one way. Uh, well, we, we have this, trouble of, this problem of trust. How do we solve trust? I'm trading you a camel for your gold coin. How do I trust that you debase the coin or not? So there are people who create business models, in that case a mint, the guy who has monopoly on violence in an area, creates a mint, puts his face on the coin, says, if you debase this, I kill you. That's a business model, a way to monetize his monopoly on violence. There's lots of business models, uh, but that enables us to engage in our trade. Lots of business models, lots of institutions, I should say, have that same feature, land titling for one thing, visa cards for another You come into my store, I don't know you. Uh, You don't know if you can trust me, I don't know if I can trust you. We each just trust Visa, uh, just like we each just trust the land titling office. We each just trust the Mint. Uh, So for 6,000 years, that's the way we've been uh, going about solving things. Uh, We create these central institutions that, since we can't trust each other, we just trust them. For the first time in 6,000 years... We can have consensual exchange among strangers that is trustworthy. In other words, we have a way to do something that for 6,000 years humans have done by creating these institutions. We can now, and those institutions have accumulated like barnacles on the hull of civilization. Some of them are private corporations, some of them are functions of government. But remember, we, you know, they didn't come out of a burning bush. We created them so we can go about achieving our ends. Uh, it's now possible to achieve those functions without those institutions, and we can see we will see many of them. This is why Tim, Tim is correct. This is I heard somebody snicker when he said this is bigger than the internet. It's much bigger than the internet. The internet disrupted publishing. I've been in a Silicon Valley company where there's 160 institutions on the wall. By institutions, I mean everything from notary con. notary Notary publics to Wall Street, to many of the functions of lawyers and judges uh, can all be reduced to smart contracts and such. So So we will not have to rely on those central institutions uh, nearly as much going forward. Here's a big one that's really important to us. Uh, And I'm going to, uh, here's a big one that's really important. Uh, Some of the old timers here may remember the Soviet Union and there was this country that tried to run itself setting prices, 23 million prices uh, on 23 million things. The screws on this stand would have been sent by some bureaucrat in Moscow in a big ledger book and such, eventually on computers. And we think that's ridiculous. See how silly these people were to try to run a society with them setting prices on 23 million things. But here in our society, what 's the single most price wh- what 's the single most important price any society faces it 's the price at which we discount the future against the present, which is to say interest rates and currently those are that price is being sent in a central department of central planning uh, called the United States Federal Reserve. Now, my worthy opponent, uh, Eric Posner, believes that we need government to manage that. What did he say? We need government that can uh, needs to address the money supply to manage the economy. People like this is uh, you have to when you when you s- I, I think of there was a great London School of Economics professor who's described certain people's mentalities. The economy is like this big engine and they're the workmen with the baseball caps and the coveralls and the screwdriver. And only they know just how to fine tune it. Just how to get the carburetor right and such. And you got it when you hear that. Remember the Dilbert strip. The, the pointy hair manager in the corner, who always he knows what's best. He's in the corner. He knows better than those people out on in the cubicles do. He knows what's best. You know What could possibly go wrong? Every day he's got a different solution to something. And that is the mentality of the people who think that we need government to do all these things for us. They need to manage our money supply for us. Well, here's a different way to think of it, how we used to think of it we have to communicate with each other information about value and scarcity that's what a price is it's it's a packet of information about value and scarcity so we can all communicate to each other Uh, we want a form of money that we can communicate that information to each other without having to go through some field some form uh, by which we send that signal through some field that any government Mandarin controls. Then we can really communicate the truth to each other. The Mandarins want to have their hands on the dial to be able to adjust that field and distort that signal to serve their own private political ends. That's why they're against Bitcoin. They don't want a form of money that that the Mandarins can't control it. Uh, And regarding that point, Uh, You know, we have seen in the last financial crisis that the oligarchs, they have bought themselves some senators. They bought themselves congressmen. They bought themselves the esteemed regulators to whom Mr. Posner bows. They bought themselves all kinds of things. One thing that they can't buy is the laws of mathematics. They can't buy the mathematics that underlies Cryptography, which is why we should rebuild our social institutions on crypto, and in particular, Bitcoin. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Patrick Byrne. And our final debater against the motion, Bitcoin is more than a bubble and is here to stay, is Gillian Tett, best-selling author, U.S. managing editor of the Financial Times. Ladies and gentlemen, Gillian Tett.
4: Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, I come last but not least to tell you why you should vote against this motion. And I tell you that not because I am an esteemed professor of law and finance like Professor Posner, but because I am both a journalist and trained as a cultural anthropologist. And as an anthropologist, I can tell you three things about money. Firstly, that societies all over the world have used all kinds of things to create money over history. There is nothing special about fiat currency. Secondly... Fiat currency has problems, as you've heard. I will admit that. But thirdly, and this is a key point, the problems with fiat currency today are nothing compared to the problems with Bitcoin. And to understand that, you have to go back for a moment and think about first principles and think about what money does. Because if you believe that Bitcoin is so valuable, you have to believe it's a fantastic type of money. So what does money do? Well, as you all know, it's one, a medium of exchange, two, a store of value, and sometimes three, an investment too. So think about it. Bitcoin as a medium of exchange compared to fiat currency. Well, I don't know how many of you in the room have actually got Bitcoin, but any of you who've got Bitcoin will know it's a pretty lousy medium of exchange right now. You can't actually do very much with it. Yes, you can buy stuff on Hoverstock, and I'm giving you a free promotion, Patrick. Thank you. I work on commission. Um, But not in Bitcoin. Um, (laughs)
0: APPLAUSE
4: But right now, the system can only process seven transactions a second. That is nothing compared to the amount you actually need to make it a viable medium of exchange. It's slow. It's clunky. It's expensive. There ain't that many places you can actually use it. I mean, some of you may have seen the great New York Times piece recently about trying to use Bitcoin in New York, and guess what? It's tough. Not a great medium of exchange. The other problem, of course, is its value has fluctuated dramatically. So you might say, well, what about a store of value? Well, if you think it's a great store of value, you have to say, what is underpinning that store of value? And as Patrick says, trust underpins money. The Roots of the word credit come from credere, meaning Latin, to believe. So what underpins Bitcoin? It ain't trust in government. It's trust in, one, computers. Those wonderful, reliable 100,000 computers that never break down. Never get hacked. Never have any kind of viruses. Are you guys all ready to trust in computers forever? You trust in the wisdom of crowds. You trust in this idea there's always going to be roaring demand for Bitcoin. Well, maybe, as you just heard before from Professor Posner, bubbles, manias, come and go. Last but not least, you trust in the fact that the supply is limited. Well, yes, right now, those wonderful magicians of cryptography have created a system which has a limited supply of Bitcoins. But what about Ethereum? What about Bitcoin Cash? What about all those other Bitcoins that are coming up too? Who actually believes that the first move of Bitcoin is going to be the only Bitcoin? I mean, remember a time when we all thought that Sony Walkmans were the coolest thing out I mean, you're probably too young for that. But think about it. Who actually thinks that Bitcoin is going to be the only idea like that? Why couldn't there be 20,000 more Bitcoins? In which case, what is that going to do to the value? Then you might say, well, you know what? Yeah, we see all those problems with Bitcoin, but actually fiat currency, that's even worse. Those governments, they cannot be trusted. To which I say this. Okay, maybe you don't like fiat currency. Maybe you think there are problems with government, you don't like institutions. Yes, I hear you. But what about this? There is actually something else out there, which has been around for thousands of years, that doesn't require actually betting on a computer. doesn't require betting that somehow the first mover, the first innovation on Bitcoin is going to last. There is something out there which is completely portable. Something out there which doesn't require enormous amounts of electricity. And let's not forget the fact that to create one Bitcoin requires the energy usage of the typical American household over two years. Last year, Bitcoin mining took up all the electricity consumption equivalent to Denmark. Next year, it will be Argentina. But there's something else out there that doesn't need that. And it's terribly simple. It's called gold. So, if you don't like Bitcoin, sorry, if you don't like fiat currency, okay, fine, I happen to think it's not so bad, not ideal, not so bad. But if you don't like fiat currency, go buy gold. Because did Bitcoin, a.k.a. digital gold, is a pretty lousy alternative. And the great thing about gold is that if it all goes horribly wrong, you can always wear it, you can put it in your teeth. <laughs> so vote against the motion.
0: Thank you, Jillian Tett. And that concludes round one of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate where our motion is Bitcoin is more than a bubble and is here to stay. Now we move on to round two, and in round two, the debaters address one another directly, and they also take questions from me and from you, our audience here at the Adam Smith Society 2018 annual meeting. We have uh, two teams debating this motion. The team arguing for the motion, Tim Draper and Patrick Byrne, they have made the case that Bitcoin represents a revolution, and it's a good kind of revolution, that it represents a major opportunity for anybody with the vision to get into it now. They say that Bitcoin is an antidote to human error in banking it's an antidote to a banking system that they describe as parasitic it transcends borders it is unleashed from government if it's a bubble then the internet itself was a bubble they're again suggesting that it takes that kind of that kind of vision they say currency uh, requires a solution to the problem of trust and that a system based on secure solving of algorithms is the perfect kind of trust and also that it's a currency that perfectly communicates its value between two parties to a transaction without the corrupting influence of humans in the middle of it. The team arguing against the motion, Eric Posner and Jillian Tett, they say, of course, it's a bubble, but that Bitcoin's vulnerabilities are actually built into its design. That's where its demise is. Um, They're saying that, for one thing, Bitcoin tends to attract unsavory characters, but that it is not really truly anonymous, defeating one of its main purposes, because mm-hmm. most people need to go through a middleman it 's with their opponents uh arguing that its fixed supply is a virtue, they say, is actually to its detriment, that a fixed currency will lead to deflation and hoarding, and a currency that is not used is not successful as a currency. The government would be helpless if it has to work with a fixed currency. Um, They also point out in this, they challenge this question of trust, asking, do you really want to trust a system that depends on computers and upon decision makers whom you don't know? Because in the end, they say, Bitcoin is something that can be influenced by humans. You just don't know who they're going to be. So there's a lot to unpack there, a lot. Um, I want to go first to this question of trust, which is one of the things where uh, very quickly a disagreement has surfaced between the two of you. So um, Patrick Byrne, you talked about uh, the mathematics actually being the source of its security. We We have an audience here that's larger actually than here. We have an audience that may not understand what that means. And so rather than debate the point for the next 30 seconds... Can you just explain what you mean when you, say, when you talk about the mathematics of Bitcoin and why that's central?
1: There's a mathematics that underlies cryptography. Technically, it's called non-polynomial one-way trapdoor functions. This area, uh, cryptography harnesses this area of mathematics to make things unbreakable. So they can be encoded one way but not decoded and that that mathematics and that cryptography underlies all the cryptography of the modern era from https to you logging on to your bank account to the, mat- the what's under Bitcoin. It's the same general field of math. of crypto. So And so the bottom line <coughs> is,
0: given Bitcoin represents this particular solution to a particular uh, mathematical challenge, that it cannot be altered, it cannot be changed, and that the security is in the specificity of that number.
1: If somebody ever breaks this, and there's talk about quantum computers and stuff, this should be quantum-resistant, but it, it's the most hacked-on thing in history. Bitcoin is. It's every day, more people hack on anything. If anyone can break this, they can break... Every government and bank encryption system in the world. Okay,
0: thank you for performing that service. So your your opponent, Jillian Ted, has said, "Who are are you crazy wanting to, to to trust something that depends on the technology of computers? Because who's to say that you know our computers break all the time? Basically, is what she was saying. Uh, t- take on that that." And, challenge. They, and
4: they get hacked all the time as well.
0: And they get hacked all the time. So take and on that. There have been
4: hacks already with Bitcoin.
1: Well, this has been hacked at more than anything in history, and has never been defeated. Uh, now there are companies that spring up in the Bitcoin community that get hacked. These different exchanges that get hacked. But the last I checked, you know, banks get hacked too. And yeah, Bitcoin's used by unsavory characters. The last I checked, you know, they used U.S. dollars too. Yeah,
4: but when banks get hacked, <coughs> eventually you have a big enough pool of money that's separate from the thing that they just hacked to be able to repay the customers.
2: Well, now, b- Jillian, you said that you you said, oh, do you really want to trust computers? Computers are running all your banks. It's just those are weaker security systems than Bitcoin. I am so much more secure in my Bitcoin than I am in the money that's sitting there in Wells Fargo.
4: But, but Tim, Tim, you're, I'm not saying do you want to trust computers. I'm saying do you only want no, you to trust computers? No. Do, you, want to, you, oh, do you, said you only want to, want to tr- trust
2: computers? Yeah, but so Tim, Tim, what
4: Tim, do you, only not want, not. do you only want to trust computers? The point is this if you go into your bank, you're not only trusting your computer for the value of your money. You're trusting the computer, but you have a backup, and the backup is called a central bank. With Bitcoin, you are only trusting computers.
2: Okay, you mentioned. Well, hang a hang on just one bank. second. I you mentioned
0: I, the central just, just, just on, oh, no no I'm gonna let you answer. I, I want to say something to the audience. I'm getting these little smatterings of you know I'm i you're gonna applaud but then you stop. Go for it. Just
2: go for it,
3: okay?
2: <laughs> it's fine. Take we'll pause. We'll pause. <laughs> go ahead, Tim. So you mentioned the central bank. Central bank always gets it wrong. So when you're in recession, they shove you further into a recession. When you're in a boom, they push you higher in a boom because they move so slowly. But Tim... Uh, and they move, and, and they never react, and then they react too late and too strongly. And, and the government regulations, the same thing happens with the government regulations. They add more regulations when you're already, you've already got both hands tied behind your back and you're trying to feed your family.
4: Okay, Tim, there's a reason... Guess what? I agree with you. But there is a reason why the U.S. Constitution is based on checks and balances. There's a reason why investors do not put all their eggs in one basket. Essentially, money is not just your eggs in one basket. Putting your money in a bank is not your eggs in one basket. Having some faith in a central bank is not all your eggs in one basket. The problem with Bitcoin is you're betting entirely on the sanctity and the durability of those computers.
2: Okay, there you, is
4: nothing else said, backing it up.
2: You said There's earlier, no check
4: and balance you, there. Neither
2: of you have Bitcoin wallets. I heard that earlier, right? Uh, you probably shouldn't keep all your eggs in one basket. There is another basket. And guess now. what?
4: I have several currencies. <laughs> yeah, right, but right. they all, all fiat. Yeah, different it's governments. Different governments. too different, late, governments, You're different, not too late, different you- governments. And I also have gold, and I also have other types of it's a, it's how gold, do you know the hedging your bets.
0: Hang on. One other, thi- one, other thi- one other service that can be performed for people who may not be up with, this t- with the terminology. Fiat currency. Um, um, Eric, we haven't heard from you yet, so tell us what fiat currency <laughs>
3: is. <laughs> It comes from the Latin
4: this word... fiat. the Adam Smith piot. 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 Let it be done. It
0: it's be. A decree. it's it currency be. by it's decree. Just,
3: it's just currency that the government creates, the central bank creates, and then it guarantees that it will re- re- retain its value. And, uh, and uh, just in response to Tim, every advanced, successful economy has had a central bank for the last several centuries. They've done quite well. The economies have done quite well. The central banks have generally been pretty good. At dealing are we with satisfied with pretty prices. good, Patrick okay. Byrne? Are you okay? <laughs> okay. All right. Now, now, the, my my other Adam Smith quote: "The government of an exclusive company of merchants is perhaps the worst of all governments." And I and I'm quoting him because, uh, despite what Jillian said, she was speaking loosely. Bitcoin is not entirely controlled by computers; it's controlled by the programmers and the miners. Right so the code that was created back in 2009 the guy who created it this uh, mythical person Satoshi Nakatoma he knew he knew that he could not uh, create a system that will work forever and that will never have any problems and so the code provides for its own amendment by human beings so those human beings are the company of merchants they're the they're the they're the bitcoin Holders, they're the miners, and also they're the programmers—the the people who are trusted by the miners and other people in the Bitcoin community to revise the program as necessary, as they have done uh, several t- several times. Let, let These so are the people you that you trust quite a bit. I right? want to let Patrick
0: yes, Byrne respond to some of that. So, what you're basically hearing is that, the, again, uh, your opponents are arguing that the trust and the security, the anonymity, etc., a lot of the virtues that you cited actually aren't built into Bitcoin.
1: Uh, well, I think that's. False. I think that it's an open source project, and sometimes people don't get open source. But it is uh, collaboration among a lot of people creating this code. But that collaboration is all transparent, and the records are all transparent. And some of us find it a more trustworthy process. Than the current sausage making we see in the political machine around us, an open source project, you know, if there's any monkey business in the code, everybody can see it. It's it's a much more transparent process uh, than the current uh, political process.
3: Transparent, but under the control of a small number of individuals. Do you have to? Do you need to concede no.
0: that point? Is that actually accurate? Is no. That true, well, it's compa-
3: what you mean. What I assume you mean. Fifty-one 51% percent 51%. of the hashing power is necessary to to change the uh, the code and a small number of people possess that power. As of 2014, th- those people collectively were on the stage at a conference, I think in New York, just a small number of people who can act in concert if they want to. Those are the, that's the central bank of Bitcoin. That's the Fed of Bitcoin.
2: You know, you,
4: it, and, uh, and,
2: you can, I, I'm glad Eric brought that up. And
4: the, hold, and the holdings are very concentrated I'm, as, no, as I'm well.
2: Glad, I'm glad Eric brought that up because he's spreading fear, which is sort of what you get from the news and whatever. Even um,
4: <laughs> the media. But when you want to
2: set up, a, uh, any of us can set up a Bitcoin mining system. And there are hundreds of them being, uh, they're all trying to get pitched. They're all pitching me and saying, hey, put money into my Bitcoin mining system.
3: Right. Anyone who There can is can get no money from- way
2: yeah. yes. that anyone is going to have more than 50% control of this. It's spread out all over the place. And then you talked about criminal activity. Okay. They're catching everybody who's using Bitcoin because there's a perfect ledger. There's the blockchain. And people are looking at that blockchain. And I, The U.S. Marshals Office started by saying, you've got to make this illegal. And then they said... No, not so fast because they are catching every single bitcoin criminal and they're doing it by, by um, going ahead you, they are allowed to get that bitcoin but as soon as they start spending it it's on the okay. block Tim, and they know Tim, ha- Tim hang there cuz wait, 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 wait. no I no 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 more. no, oh. no, no, he no, said, no. He said i could Moderator. keep pushing
0: no 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 not this time i'm going to come back to you you i just you've made a very no, specific if point you want
2: to I, be a criminal if you want to be a criminal, use fiat. Okay. It's so much easier. So I, I want to
0: thank you for pushing back. I actually want to take that specific point. So your argument about the
3: criminal use has just been refuted by your opponents in a very coherent and
0: logical way. I'd like to hear your response
3: to that. 25% of uh, people who use Bitcoin are criminals, according to a study that just came out a couple of days ago. The money-wandering, $100 billion or more a year, uh, most of it is Bitcoin. The, the uh, reason why, it, so Bitcoin is, as I said, synonymous. This public ledger just has codes; it doesn't have your actual name. So, a very sophisticated criminal can use those codes in a way as to maintain their anonymity. Now, it's true what Tim says is that ordinary people, who are not very smart and don't know what they're doing, can make mistakes, which makes it very easy for the government to track them down. as happened with the Silk Road exchange. But the really smart people, well, the foreign governments, is not a
2: smart guy, this, the, the, the foreign government ran Silk Road. Have you read the book? It's unbelievable yeah. how smart that dude Oops, is. not smart enough. But not as smart as the uh, – <laughs> not as there smart. Aren't, there aren't any smarter. Yeah, I he's think there be, are. And he uh, got busted, so don't even try it.
4: But let's go back to the first principle. The t- reason why people are buying Bitcoin investing in it is not because they think it's going to be this incredible, useful thing for criminality per se. The reason why most people buy it is because they think it's either going to keep going up and up and up or because it's going to become a mainstream currency that will be useful. And the question I still have is why on earth do we think that Bitcoin is going to become this incredibly widely used, useful currency compared to all the other alternatives? Why do we think the first – is there any technology in the world, any big technological advance we've had where the first mover advantage ensured that that stayed dominant all the way through? There are always copycats.
0: Patrick Byrne, please, to respond to that. Well – Here's here's a reason they could be
1: switching to Bitcoin. They're on the streets of Venezuela and starving, and they want a form of money where they can still function. Or they're in uh, created so. by What's the wrong with Venezuelan
3: government, though.
2: Wait, wait. So were like, yeah. I thought you were yes. the government. Lover. Yes. Yeah. Well. But he's the government
3: <laughs> hater, right? And so this cryptocurrency is going to be created by the Venezuelan government. It's not… Based on like
1: oil. They're created in an oil-backed currency. But the great adoption of Bitcoin, you look where it gets its spikes, it's in places like Crete and Greece and Venezuela as everything collapses. Zimbabwe, people want some place they can go and get rid of this fiat. Everybody's not… Fiat, you know, well, anyway, they get rid of their fiat into Bitcoin. That's where the big spikes of Bitcoin are
4: Patrick, have you ever been in a war zone?
1: Because I, I can tell you that I've Venezuela. been in
4: war zones. I started off as a war reporter. If you're in a war zone, if you're in that kind of stress situation, you don't want to start fiddling around with a computer. You want to get a bag of gold or emeralds and sew them in your clothes and run, okay? So, my key point is this I hear what you're saying about the shortcomings of fiat government backed currency. Guess what? It ain't perfect, but it's probably the least bad system there is today. And actually, if you don't like fiat currency, don't start messing around with computers.
1: Go to gold. But can you beam gold? In, in, in South Park, they describe Bitcoin as space cash. And they say it's advantages. You can and that's be- supposed to be a good thing? You can, be- <laughs> you can beam it across the universe. Can you beam gold? Great. Bitcoin is just Let like gold. Let me tell you, if
4: the government's collapsing, I don't want to be boomed across the universe.
1: By, by the way, I saw a recent calculation that if – so it has, all the, it has all the advantages of gold, which I'm happy to hear that you admire. Uh, has all the advantages of gold plus one. You can beam it across the universe, and it has
4: all the disadvantage that if the computers collapse and suddenly you're left high and dry. So your Patrick, you you're,
3: your argument is this kind of razor's edge argument that civilization will collapse enough that the central banks will cease to function, but not so much that the internet and the computer system will also stop functioning. <laughs> it's got to be like <laughs> in Spain, right in between.
4: High fives. What yeah.
3: I'm looking for, but if you're Tim happy, Draper.
4: And somehow, and somehow I the electricity looked. keeps going, and somehow we all get enough electricity to keep mining. I'm I'm let's have Patrick
0: different. respond.
1: I'm imagining something like Greece or Crete comes when the U.S. dollar goes the way of lots of other fiat currencies that have come our way, when our technicians, when our, fiat, when our Dilbert managers have, have been exposed as really not knowing how to fine-tune that carburetor. And when it all melts down, you will be happy to have a robust alternative system that does not rely on any of these institutions our grandfathers came up with. Have you ever heard of Switzerland?
4: Switzerland? Have you ever looked at, you know, because the US dollar is not the only alternative out there. If you don't like what the Fed's doing, if you don't like Donald Trump, if you don't like the way that America's going, the great thing about the global economic system is you can hedge your bets. Ever heard you of new can Zealand. also
2: leave, which is what's happening. A lot of people are leaving this country because they are not feeling like they're being heard. All We're losing a lot of great millennials because they're feeling like, well, we're not being heard. Look, we have a new currency. This thing is awesome, and your government is getting a little heavy-handed. And in China, it's even worse. They are fleeing China. They're going to Japan, where Japan said, yes, we are a... We take Bitcoin, and it is a national currency here. And, and they're going to other places where they feel like they're at least able to pursue their great visions. But wait. An wait hold on. A big hold Bitcoin on.
4: exchange has just been hacked. Hold on.
2: You said there are a whole bunch of problems with Bitcoin. There are. And there are. And you said there are fewer with dollars. There are. But all the best engineers in the world are working on Bitcoin, not on dollars. Okay, I I want, they're, And they're I, working, and they're going to make it better I, and better. In five years, you are gonna, you're going to try to go buy coffee with fiat currency, and they are going to laugh at you because you're not using crypto.
0: So, so we're going to have you back in five years, and somebody's going to be laughing at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 no, no, I... I, I think we should we should test that in five years. Um, uh, okay, I, I, I want to
2: schedule, but I'm I'm game. All right, <laughs> I
0: want to I want to move the topic into another layer that. Oh, and actually, the other thing I want to say is normally I have to intervene a lot more to get the debaters to engage with each other. You guys are off to the races. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> although Tim, you are the first debater in 150 who's ever touched me. <laughs> and and it was electrifying. I, <laughs> I so, have
2: that effect. So there was, there,
0: <laughs> there was a, an argument also made, and I don't want this to become a deep, a deep diversion to the issue of government control and regulation, but there is this issue that Bitcoin represents a, a kind of decentralization and a, and a liberation from government manipulation that the for side welcomes and that the against side said w- w- would leave government helpless. Government control of the, of the money supply is essential. And Eric, that was your argument. Just take one more minute on that. Because I'd like you to, I'd like your opponents to respond to more of the specifics of your thought, thinking on that.
3: Sure. There've, you know, since the advent of modern capitalism, there have been periodic financial crises. These are devastating uh, uh, events where the money money disappears. People hoard their money. Economic activity stops. Banks fail. Over hundreds of years, governments have figured out ways to address financial crises. We're all familiar with, for example, FDIC insurance, and then the Fed acts as the lender of last resort. So when that happens, the government actually makes money, pumps it into the economy, gets the economy going again, and then the money is returned to the government at the end. The Bank of England has been doing this for hundreds of years. The United States did this at the beginning of its history uh, until Andrew Jackson shut down the National Bank. After a devastating financial crisis in 1907, where Wall Street had to step in because the U.S. government had no power to do it, the Fed was created in 1913 and given this authority again. It failed in the Great Depression, it didn't use the authority that was given it, but since then it's been quite effective and successful at maintaining financial okay, stability. And, and, and
0: Bitcoin would take, if, if Bitcoin replaced the dollar, that would, that would, be, that would go away. The, the, would go the, away, go, the government
3: wouldn't do anything and people can hoard Bitcoins just okay. the way they, they so hoard U.S. dollars. I
0: see Patrick's been taking furious notes as i speaking, so he's ready to respond.
1: <laughs> okay, well that history is extremely selective. That history is extremely selective. We did have depress- uh, deflation in the 19th century. We had growth in the 19th century. We had banking crises. Uh, it was legalized. Uh, Whenever you have fractional reserve banking, you eventually have crises and things topple over and you need a central bank. Uh, the fractional reserve aspect was legalized. Uh, and this in England in Robert Peel, 1846, I think. And then we adopted this in 1907. What bothered the progressives was that we got out of 1907 with just private action. It was JP Morgan, went down, organized a group of bankers, went down and got the system uh, unkinked. That offended those who wanted more government. They said, We can't have private actors with this kind of power. We need the government to have this ability. And thus was born. The uh, Federal Reserve. The first Patrick,
3: ever. it was the banking system which created the Federal Reserve. It wasn't the progressives. It was the bankers. The bankers. It was the bank. The banker, the progressives, called because for the it. because the bankers didn't mind like higher
2: prices and any what happened? more than
3: anybody else did. So, and they, so they created hey, the who cares? What happened? It's and a I, system that's
2: long in it, it long in the tooth and ready to get out 19, of here. This this is bank. We're ready this is for the a new. Bank new for a we're ready for a for new thing. Okay. That system is not working. And
1: Patrick's might coming across. The real the punchline was in 1933. They had their big test. They didn't just fail to prevent it. Prevent it. They caused it. They. Restricted the money supply a third and brought about the great depression there are the dilbert gods in the corner saying oh what could possibly go wrong and they go from collapse to collapse to collapse they just it's the same it's old wine and new bottles they just keep reflating and then we have a bigger crash and then you have the greenspan put and then you have 2008 and they just re- it's the, it's old wine and new bottles and eventually as Mises said uh you know all uh all expansions that come about from ex- expanding the money supply end in a crash. This is going to go on and on until we have a Greek-style crisis.
2: So I want to I want to address one issue you you said, Jillian. This has been fun. Um, you talked totally about value fluctuation. We have a bet
4: in five years' time. You'll buy the coffee.
2: And the <laughs> and the reason um, and you said value fluctuation. Well, there is always going to be value fluctuation, uh, but but. Um, Bitcoin is not volatile at all. One bitcoin equals one bitcoin. One well, bitcoin. Try telling that but, to anyone who's bought a bitcoin. But and as, to that as these fiat currencies. Fiat currencies are very volatile against Bitcoin because they are floating oh. and disappearing It's not too late away. to get out of that fiat bubble and into something solid like crypto.
1: Yeah.
4: <laughs> okay.
2: They drift away over time.
4: Tim, I can tell you there's only one thing recently that has looked as volatile as Bitcoin, and that is something called VIX, ETFs. And those went up and down and imploded. I mean, anything that swings, you know, 50%, 100% or whatever in a few months is volatile.
2: Does this all suggest that regular folks... Well, do it not depends ju- on your perspective, though, because Tim. Bitcoin's very Tim. stable Tim. and all these fiat currencies are falling All right, Tim, you're, you're, you're repeating so, yourself. Let you me, let me bring you a... Uh, I, just I just want to make sure... I mean, a dollar, Damn, a
3: dollar has always been worth a dollar
2: is as it, well. Is it's it?
3: Amazingly exactly exactly stable, stable yeah. currency?
0: are we at, are we at a point in bitcoin's uh, presence development that 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 regular people are 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 it's dangerous for them to get involved with it and you know you guys are very savvy investors you're sophisticated but if, were, would regular folks get burned and would they're getting burned undermine the kind of acceptance you're looking for yes yes, yes regular yep, yep. folk
2: i don't know what these guys are talking about we're regular folk <laughs> and and I, I i'm always a little you know, <laughs> Bittered whenever I hear people say, Oh, I know better than you do what you should do with your money. I'm looking and I'm saying, well, you know what to do with your money, but we're giving you an alternative like, hey, you may want to move some of your money into this thing because it can, like if a government collapses, you can get go into another country and just pull it down.
4: So why couldn't you, you do can, that with gold? And,
2: and, and, well, you can't because it's it, you're stuck in just the countries that the U.S. is friendly with, the, and they're fewer and fewer. By the way, I,
1: I'm lost. I think that people should be aware <laughs> this is very risky. And anyone who's giving you advice that uh, go invest, I mean, you should. Maybe holding 5% of your assets in, in the cryptocurrency may be prudent. I don't know, but you shouldn't be. I hear about people all the time who are sinking a whole bunch of their, their mon- money into it, and it's way too risky to do that.
0: Okay. okay. I, I, I want to go to audience questions. I just want to point out that Tim Draper, believe it or not, from the Tim Draper we've seen here, has actually been quite modest about one thing, and that is you, you, a few years ago, you, when I think Bitcoin was at $300, you predicted it would reach $10,000, and the world scoffed. And you hit it within three weeks or so of the of the. You said in three years, and within three years, it kind of ticked right up to ten
2: thousand. Yeah, I, w- I was that, three weeks early. That I must
0: probably have, been, should have must said. been very satisfying for you.
2: Satisfying. Actually, no, it was just sort of like, oh yeah, okay. Well, now what? Now, okay. Two two hundred fifty thousand is. And your now point it's now. two two hundred fifty thousand by twenty twenty two. But um, but I there's some. I part of it is I sort of have seen these. Amazing transformations of the world from just the, just the very beginning, just from like there was just a, two guys and a dog that started Hotmail, and all of a sudden we are all communicating through web-based email for free. And there was just one, two, two guys, and probably a cat, um, that started Skype. And all of a sudden, we are all seeing each other when we communicate with each other for free. And that all started just with this little thing. And it spreads very quickly around the world. And once it it spreads, uh, we all kind of go, oh yeah, that's obvious, of course, we can Skype each other, oh yeah, no problem. So to your opponents,
0: to to the side argument against, it sounds like your opponents are saying you you lack the vision thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and you're good with that. Absolutely. You, you sign up for that. Yeah. Okay.
4: No, actually, I'll, okay, I'll say it differently. You said earlier, Tim, that basically you had the internet boom and bust, but the internet's still here. Okay? It, but it, guess what? Guess it what? It got
2: much bigger. Yeah.
4: Pets.com. And they called that
2: a bubble.
4: Yeah, Tim. Pets.com is not still here.
2: Oh yeah, so Bitcoin. Oh, Bitcoin, out, Bitcoin
4: is like Pets.com. Yeah, but one out of because, like five
2: hundred companies. However, there were Bitcoin- a lot of
4: first started, pe- a lot of internet darlings in two thousand that boomed, that went as high as, say, Bitcoin has. Okay. Sure. People looked like a genius for a moment, and they collapse. And yes, the internet survived. Yes, blockchain will survive. But will Bitcoin survive? Bitcoin is the Pets.com of the cryptocurrency world.
2: Okay. Well, I. I would Bitcoin. argue. I would argue that ouch, that ouch. it is very likely oh, the pet stock. Oh my god! So um,
4: remember I, it. That's the reason I think why it's you very don't. Very
2: likely that Bitcoin does end up winning this. Uh, long-term crypto uh, battle. And it is sort of an internal battle, but boy, we're all out there for the right thing. Okay, audience wait, questions. Wait, wait, wait. wait. No, 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 I'm not with Sorry, no, Audience Tim, questions I've now. I've made my sir. point.
4: Did Tim say that you think it is going to win or not going to win?
2: Tim, did you truly not make no, your point? If, no, I'm, if you I, didn't, did okay, I did not. If you didn't, go for it. I did not. But Bitcoin, uh, the value of Bitcoin is tied to the network and how big that network is. And according to Metcalf's law, uh, the the power of a network is the number of nodes in that network, number of people, t- squared. And so Bitcoin already has like two-thirds of the – of the. they have a huge lead. They have an enormous lead. And it can, a it, it can evolve. Why does theory exist? Why does Ethereum exist? And new technologies will come up, but just as Microsoft uh, – added those technologies as they they benefited from them. Bitcoin is doing that too. You said Bitcoin's not fast enough. Lightning Network sped it up pretty fast, and that had to do with another technology that came from another cryptocurrency, and they brought it you're, in. You're just fell. saying that Bitcoin is like the MySpace of the cryptocurrency. Yeah. No, but Bitcoin can all right. I, I do want to stop this because we need <laughs> to get to <laughs> questions. Exactly.
4: Um, well, hey, on the you, questions, well, I would like you, you to tell there us there your name.
0: Hold it, hold it. Only I am talking now. I, I would, I would Actually, like you to tell all us your name. I, I, like, I would like you to tell us your name, and I really would like it to be a question. I want to say something else. <laughs> um, who's first over there? Okay, I see ten men lined up to ask questions, (coughs) and three men, five, four men on the stage. I I just want to let any woman who knows who comes up, it's going to be like, you know, ladies' night at the microphone. You'll get to go to the front of the line. Well, Johnny,
4: 90% of of Bitcoin investors are male. Sorry? 90% of Bitcoin investors are male.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Okay. So so I'm serious about that. What does that tell us? Sir. So my name is Nick Lilovich of the University of Chicago Booth School of Business, and my question is on sophistication. So in the blockchain world, a customer can be re- entirely responsible for the security of their transaction on purpose. Now, people use Visa for a reason, I assume. Is it better for individuals to be entirely responsible for the security of their transactions? May Thank I? Mr. Patrick.
1: I, I, I actually th- – I'm a small – as Milton Friedman would say, small L libertarian – but you have to admit some degrees of paternalism. And in that case, no, you have to have, uh, I think there have to be companies with wallets that perform the KYC, AML, and the customer service. So when grandma forgets her password, it cannot just be a pure you're on your own system. So there, ha- there have to be a ring of companies that build up, that attach to the system and provide that extra layer of service and trust. Yes, yeah. and com- these companies
3: are going to be if if Bitcoin tends, ends up dominating currency. When you walk down a street in a small town and you look at the biggest buildings in the street, they're going to be owned by these big companies. They're the banks of the futures, which will act as intermediaries, and they'll skim off the profit. There'll be little storefronts that let you come in and use, <laughs> right. and that's all they need to charge. For.
4: <laughs> Why don't have a bank?
1: Well, no, we can, I happen to have just been with regulators in Washington the other day and talk, talking about what we're doing with Wall Street. You, could, you can eliminate the role of exchanges. You have decentralized exchanges. That's not a healthy first step. I think that we ought to take an incrementalist approach. I remind the young bucks like Tim I run into in this field. Remember Frankenstein? The lesson of Frankenstein was that the scientist has to be thinking about the f- effects that he's maybe not thinking about. Anyway, no, we, we want to replace the system incrementally.
0: To the gentleman who just yielded your space, thank you very much. I'm going to come to that side in a second, but you've been waiting longer, so go ahead, sir.
3: Thank you. Uh, Daniel Schuckman, MSD Partners. Uh, To uh, Patrick and your side, isn't it a uh, colossal, almost uh, debate-ending concession on your part when you said before that, uh, of course – you know, Bitcoin is only suitable for,
2: you know, three, five percent of your assets. I mean, you know, this is a speculative thing. My God, you wouldn't want to, you know, risk so much beyond that in this uh, currency. Um, I'm going to put a question mark to, there. That was well, a good question. Just, yeah. just a oh, quick Go ahead, Daniel. I mean,
3: you spent the whole time talking about all the flaws of fiat currency.
0: No, but
2: yet, you 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 made the point well. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, you're saying it's a little bit hypocritical, so let's take it to... Uh, I'm, our, I'm happy to Tim back James. him up there. I do understand that that with your own money, you want to make sure that you're set and that this is a risk. Thank you. We all know it's a risk. But over time, I think your, your Bitcoin uh, ownership should continue to in- increase. And I believe that there will be a point at which you will no longer really want any of the fiat currency. And to my,
1: to my answer is I'm not completely sure I'm right. I'm not completely sure I'm right, and I don't want to tell Grandma to go put her savings into this. Let's see how it evolves. Eric or Julian, you can jump in on that. Yeah, I agree. It's a a
3: debate-ending concession. And the reason is is that what Patrick Patrick is saying is that Bitcoin is a speculative investment, the way the South Sea stock was. Maybe if you have a lot of money, you want to put a little little bit of money in it. But a currency has to be used by everybody. That's the idea. It's got to be 100%...
1: I consider that an asterisk. <laughs> I'm speaking wait, to the wait, investors. Up, Settle down here. <laughs> I'm Thank you. To the specific question of do, you, do people go and invest? No, uh, I try to say somewhat agnostic about that. But to, on the question of is this here to stay? Is this going to re-architect the institutions of civilization? Yeah, I think so. I just, uh, but that doesn't mean I want to tell grandma to go and put her savings in it. Question
0: gonna. from this. Uh, Kate. Also,
4: okay. Kate Rooney um, from CNBC so I'm glad you guys are
0: serious about cutting the line here um, <laughs> my question is for both sides about regulators um, we talked about this moving really quickly do you think regulators are keeping up how do you think US regulators compare to the rest of the world and is there a risk um,
2: that some of these assets or this innovation goes abroad if the US isn't moving fast enough
1: I I, I'm, I'm going to toss it to Eric after I make my point, just so and then I'm <laughs> sure he'll toss it to him. Uh, the, uh, the regulators have the point of view, from what I can tell, that Clinton's – the Clinton administration did regarding the Internet. If we regulate this, it may go abroad. We don't want the center of gravity to be in Beijing. Uh, and so they have had a relatively hands-off attitude and I think that that's smart. And this absolutely will. There is enormous concert. Beijing, China, has named a new five-year plan. Has named four technologies they want to dominate the world in. At the end of this five-year plan, they're four. They're one year into it. One of the the first of those four is, is blockchain. So this, we absolutely have to be afraid that some other country gets the the jump on us in this research.
3: To the opponents, either of you. Well, regulators are extremely skeptical about Bitcoin, and they're cracking down on it, but they're also worried, as Patrick says, about losing a competitive edge and destroying a nascent technology that might be helpful in, 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 some, in some way. But if Bitcoin ever became a currency, if it took over, then regulators in all developed countries, in all countries, would, would destroy it, because it's, you, you need to have a national concern, uh, currency that's Controlled by the central bank, uh, Bitcoin currency would not be tolerated unless it's a kind of a, are, are, are you a saying modest b- thing. If Bitcoin succeeds, it will fail. If it will attract, by yes. then it will be too late for them to stop. It will be yeah, like trying to they'll stamp they'll out rock music just before it gets too late for them to but stop. But I mean, it. And you actually, oh, yeah, you can stamp actually stamp see that already
4: music. in China, where the Chinese authority feels threatened by this, and so they're clamping down, in which India, means Japan. and India and Japan. So guess what? The value of Bitcoin goes down. Ironically, something which was created as a howl of protest against government is still very affected in its price by the actions of government. But the other thing is that in terms of, if you look at Bitcoin, you know, we mustn't confuse blockchain and Bitcoin because they're not the same. Many central central banks and governments are saying, you know what, blockchain, yeah, it's a useful technology. There are many different applications. But Bitcoin, this was the first thing that sprung up out of blockchain. And for all the reasons we said, it looks like the MySpace of the cryptocurrency world, and just because governments feel skeptical about that doesn't mean they're saying no to blockchain. To if
2: so I, I, this, is, um, this is sort of a hot one for me because I, I had the uh, prime minister of Estonia came to Draper University to speak and said uh, just by instituting digital signatures they saved 2% of the GDP and all the young people started to vote when they did digital voting and then they did digital identity and the crime rate went down, the business climate went up and then they gave he gave me this virtual residency card, and he said, "And governance can now compete across border, virtually." And it got me thinking that ultimately we're going to have the terrestrial part of governance, and then we're going to have the virtual part of governance, and the virtual part will have to, in effect, compete Please. for us.
4: And Tim, and, Tim, and, they we, can... and they'll so be bad.
2: accountable to their. Constituents, They're And customers. I think that's a whole new way of thinking. I think it's going to change all of our thinking. And, and so regulators are going to say, well, wait, okay, we have all of these rules. Don't point at me on regulators. Point no. at that okay. guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to have all these rules, and, uh, and we're stuck with them. And all of a sudden, there's this new thing, and it's virtual. And so we've got to figure out how do we separate right. our virtual piece and have that piece really compete. Our, our terrestrial okay, Tim, piece I, still can be a monopoly, you've, you've made but the that rest commercial. has to Jillian, Jillian, Tim, to I
4: hate to pour cold water on your vision of Estonia as being this happy place of virtual Nevada. No, no. Hey, wait, wait, wait. have Tim, you heard? No, Tim, 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 wait. Have you heard of what see. came after that? What? It's called Russian hacking. Have you seen what happened in Estonia when the Russians hacked into Estonian computers? Have Is you that seen what happened what here in future?
1: our election when they... Yeah, have,
4: right. it's called belts and braces. It's called having checks and balances, not putting all your eggs in just one... Okay, another market. question
0: from here, up here.
4: Uh, First of all,
3: thank you to the men for yielding your time. I appreciate that, especially since you've been waiting in line. Yeah, you
0: guys have been great for for doing that. (laughs) And can you tell us your name? Um,
3: My name is Noni. I'm from MIT Sloan. This is mainly a
1: question for Mr. Burns and Mr. Draper. So let's say we played a long-term game. Bitcoin has significant uptake. What does a financial crisis look like at that point in time? And when you're balancing this difference between virtual and sort of terrestrial government – what are the fail-safes we have in place for regulating the environment at that point in time? Patrick, yeah, on, on the first one, the Austrian answer is you don't get the financial crises. You use interest rates, no longer get set by pointy-haired Dilbert guy in the corner in the Federal Reserve who thinks he can fine-tune the U.S. business cycle. Interests become a way that the crowd We can coordinate our preferences about time and interest and and what's the real value of money and such with each other and you have stable, steady growth. And the reason we have booms and busts is because we have that guy with his hand on the rear stat, subject to political pressure, who, when things get a little rocky, takes political pressure and floods the economy, QE1, QE2, QE3, whatever. And that's why we have these booms and busts. And if we switch to an economy that was gold-based or based on some form of money through which we can communicate that no Mandarin can can distort – we we get rid of the financial
3: crises. That, that, that's simply not true. There so there are booms and busts long before there was government intervention. There are booms and busts under the gold standard in the 19th century. The the financial crises lacking. aren't caused by currency. They're caused by excessive lending against weak assets, bad assets, assets that people overvalue. They'll continue to exist fractions. in an economy dominated by Bitcoin.
4: And can I add to that? There were boons and busts back in Mesopotamia. The reason why you have the phrase wiping the slates clean was because in the old days, many thousands of years ago, there'd be too much lending in Mesopotamia. They'd record it on the slates. They'd wipe the clay, the clay tablets um, clean every seven, twenty, fifty years. And guess what? You go back to zero. So boons and busts have been everywhere.
2: Tim? Sure. I, I, I don't know. The boons and busts could go could, – they could continue or maybe not. But one thing's for sure, governments that are forced to compete with each other for you are going to do a lot better than the ones that are that think that they have a monopoly and they can do whatever they want. Right now, we have a government in the U.S. that's 51% of the GDP is government spending. And we're stuck with it. And they're deciding for every person that's out there pulling a sled, there's one standing on the sled saying, Telling him, you know, that he's got to keep one hand behind his back. Tim, can Bitcoin you, thought, just, just that. A, just you can the buy Swiss. I thought that you brought up the government's competing for you is an intriguing idea. Can you put it into thirty seconds? What you mean by that? Sure. Um, this glass, this, the, the company that created this glass had to compete with all the other companies that create these glasses. And they to those who them, can't see this, he's holding up his drinking and glass. They and make, they make them better and better and better so, and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper so that they provide a really good product or a really good service. So any company out there that is alive today is doing what they can to compete for you, to try to get you to be a customer of theirs. Governments don't feel that way. Historically, they've they've thought, we control everything that we see and we'll just tell you what the rules are and we know better than you do what to do with your money, what to do, how to live your life, whatever. Now governments are gonna do that, but then at their own peril because other governments are gonna step up and say, hey, we, we can provide a better healthcare program here. Hey, we can provide a better pension system than these than your government. And does. how does Bitcoin? Those things can be completely separate. Well, Bitcoin is a natural natural for this free market in the world because because Bitcoin is cross border and. Okay. Global it's, and it's, decentralized. it's an interesting vision. I just want to see if your bonus would respond to Bitcoin it.
3: Bitcoin has nothing to do with the size of the government. The government will still be able to tax people. It will still be able to borrow. In fact, it will be able to borrow more effectively because people won't be worried about inflation. They can spend as much as they want. Bitcoin's not going to do anything about that. Gillian?
4: Yeah, and basically, if you're worried about the value of the U.S. dollar and what the Fed's doing, there's a much simpler alternative. Just go and buy a wide basket of currencies, buy a little bit of real estate, buy some forests, buy a bit of gold – Hedge your bets. It's 101 Investment Principles. Okay, another
0: question? Sir.
4: Thank you very
2: much. Samuel Fisher from BYU. Um, Yep, I recognize Overstock. I've talked
1: with
4: Jonathan Johnson before, and that's always been a good conversation. I think one of the complications of this debate is it's actually, I mean, it's about Bitcoin, but there's actually five or six debates going on. We're talking a
2: perfect transition. You know,
0: I I, I need, rather than critique the debate, which is a fair thing to do, but right now I need you to ask a question if you can land it.
2: Yeah, sure thing. So, Thanks. I don't feel like anyone's a master over any of those options. But who would you bring on? Like, which expertise would you call on and add to the table here to answer those different debates?
0: Uh, I'm going to pass on the question because I think again it's theoretical and, and and won't get them debating the issue more. With respect, thank you for asking it, and come on chat with us afterwards. But I think I want to keep us staying on point, so I'll come to this side.
4: I uh, thank you for this, uh, Abhishek from NYU. So my question is for Tim and Patrick. Uh, So currently the value of Bitcoin is intrinsically tied to fiat currency. Uh, On Overstock.com, I'm sure you measure the value of merchandise in U.S. dollars, and that's how you decide how much Bitcoin to accept. Do you envision a future where your uh, website would perhaps measure your merchandise in Bitcoins irrespective of whatever happens to fiat currency?
1: Well, we do allow you to pay in Bitcoin now, or we allow you to trigger something, and then as you shop, you see everything in Bitcoin. So you see everything in Bitcoin prices, I guess, you know, what happens, the history of money is that it starts off as commodities and it's the commodity in a society that is the one that is most useful in interchange, uh, it's used in barter and then the one that's most used sort of becomes the one that everybody adopts and becomes the currency. And can I see that happening with Bitcoin? I can see that happening in places as they collapse. And if there's ever a currency crisis in the United States, I could see it happening here. Patrick, you Is know, it,
0: when 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 Bitcoin, the revenue that Bitcoin takes that Overstock takes in in Bitcoin, does it keep it in Bitcoin? We convert fifty percent into fiat dollars and take and
1: leave fifty percent in Bitcoin. And then every once in a while, we build up the Bitcoin and we sell it and. Make a few million bucks. Okay, p- so, Tim,
0: you wanted to jump in on this.
2: So, more, uh, I, this is a great question email. because I've just gotten two e- two emails that were very interesting e commerce emails. And one was there is a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken that is only available in Bitcoin, and it's in Canada, and they've got a Bitcoin bucket. We should and concede at And that's only, this only point. available. <laughs> <laughs> and then,
4: there's <laughs> <one>. <laughs> and there's.
2: <laughs> You guys should concede. Period. <laughs> um, and
4: and the other, the other one Mocky is uh,
2: the other one is I got this this other email and it said here's this beautiful mansion and it's just it's a thousand bitcoin and I pushed sort of thinking well what does that mean in dollars and then I realized no that's the only way that guy's going to sell that house it's really interesting it's a new way of thinking and it's coming it's still ladies' night on
0: this line if somebody would like to come forward and if you if, if you would want to. Thank you and and guys again, I appreciate it thanks. thanks.
4: Uh- this is Crystal from Yahoo Finance. This is a question for uh, Patrick and Tim. Because uh, this debate is about Bitcoin, and we know Bitcoin used to account for 80% of the cryptocurrency market, and now it's only one third. And even Patrick, your website started to accept uh, other altcoins like Ethereum, Litecoin, and Dash last August. So I wonder why do you guys believe Bitcoin could maintain its first uh, move advantage in the cryptocurrency yeah. space? I think that's Fabulous on question. First. That's on
0: point first. So Take that. That's Thank a you.
1: great question. Well, Bitcoin does have a unique place because everybody is confident of its fairness and how it came about and everything in terms of Satoshi and the dates he chose and so forth, that no one is disputing there was any pre-mining or any of these other things that go on with coins. Uh, what a lot of companies... Bitcoin... The Bitcoin blockchain, to Jillian's point, is too slow. Seven transactions per second is too slow to support the modern world. Visa handles 30,000 per second. What people do is they create what are called side chains, other distributed ledgers that they do the work to, but then everyone sort of agrees gen- that you anchor that work back to the Bitcoin blockchain. So Bitcoin may not end up being. The mechanism that underlies a bunch of other systems that evolve on blockchain, maybe other blockchain companies are going to win there. But what ultimately happens is they stamp, they periodically stamp the truth back to Bitcoin blockchain. That's what makes it immutable and and they they can prove that all their systems have integrity. So Bitcoin will always, to me, will always have this foundational role in the crypto economy, even if it's not what emerges as as. What you know, the transfer mechanism is, what the currency is, it, will, it, is, it is, has this foundational sort of – pr- it is the protocol layer of this new world. The fatal flaw – uh, 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 uh,
3: you go ahead.
0: I was
4: going to say that requires a lot of leaps of faith. And I'm saying there's nothing wrong with leaps of faith, but you've still got leaps of faith in Bitcoin world which i would say even bigger than a leap of faith in central banks.
1: No, 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 no leap of faith at all. It's all transparent and immutable. With central banks, you're wondering what these mandarins are doing looking into their crystal balls. This is when somebody comes up with a system, other side chains, and in fact, one has come out of the Bitcoin world called multi-chains that we like, but there's other things that evolve like EOS and such, who knows. Anyway, there are these other platforms you're hearing. They all have ways where they can stamp back to... Bitcoin, that, that so there is never a leap of faith. The whole point is to try, try to create institutions where there's never a leap of faith you have to make on anybody. And there are corporate models that come out that, that, that ignore that, and the community shuns them.
3: The, we, the, the fatal flaw of Bitcoin, even if you accept the cryptocurrency as the currency of the future, is the energy use, which Jillian mentioned before. So currently... In a year, Bitcoin uh, users use as much energy as the country of Colombia, which has a population of 50 million. If Bitcoin became as successful as you guys anticipate, the uh, amount of energy use would be vastly more. Now, there are other cryptocurrencies. There are other cryptocurrencies that have been designed to use less energy. So even if you believe that cryptocurrencies will be successful, it's not going to be Bitcoin.
0: I want to remind you that we are in the question and answer section of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan, your moderator. We have four debaters, two teams of two, debating this motion, Bitcoin is more than a bubble and here to stay. Patrick, I want to try to get... One more question. If you can be really brief
1: on that, yeah. just the Lord has delivered mine enemy into mine arms. There's a new coin called Ravencoin that is a fork of Bitcoin. It's a fork <laughs> of Bitcoin. <laughs> right. So, it, But no, it, it's a thousand times more energy efficient. And it's it's an ex, it's a counterexample of what you're saying, Jillian, because with Bitcoin, unlike pets.com, the system can evolve in this open, organic, open source method, and it has evolved the solutions. It is a, thousand- a different Okay, one, one more question. Well, no, it's point. an evolution. It's uh, a fork uh, of Bitcoin.
0: Jayesh Virkar, uh, Georgetown MBA. This question is for both the panels. Uh, do you see uh, the coexistence of Bitcoin and fiat currencies, or do you see the complete Uh, replacements of one of
2: the currencies.
0: In other words, will the dollar disappear, will the pound disappear, and Bitcoin come supreme? Uh, Tim, do you want to take that?
2: Yeah, it's never really one or the other. Usually, uh, the fiat currencies will try to adapt, and they'll try to create a currency that well, first, they're trying to create currencies that are just tied to their government, and they miss the entire purpose. But they'll start thinking, hey, I want to create a global currency, too. And, uh, and those governments will probably survive. Um, but I, I, in general, it's a better currency. It's, it's just better. It's, uh, as the engineers work on it, make it so it's easier to transact business, to, do, to buy coffee, whatever, this, this currency is going to be, uh, it's decentralized, it is flexible, it's cross-border, it's global, it, It's sort of everything you guys want as millennials. You want a world that's open. Jillian. That's open.
4: Bitcoin will be like traveler's checks. It will be like digital gold. It will be something, you know, of interest, part of the financial universe, but a sideshow. And it's certainly not going to turn it into something that justifies the current bubble prices.
0: And that concludes round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where our motion is Bitcoin is more than a bubble and here to stay. And now we move on to round three. Round three will be brief closing statements by each debater in turn. They will be two minutes each. They will once again be standing to make their closing statements. And here, making his closing statement in support of the motion, Tim Draper, venture capitalist and founder of Draper
2: Associates in DFJ. So I have here statements that I think you guys should hear. A rocket will never be able to leave the Earth's atmosphere, New York Times, 1936. When the Paris Exhibition of 1878 closes, electric light will close with it and no more will be heard of it, Oxford professor Erasmus Wilson. It'll be gone by June, this is Variety magazine talking about rock and roll in 1955. The world potential for copying machines is 5,000 at most. That's IBM avoiding uh, buying Xerox. The wireless music box has no imaginable commercial value. Who would pay for a message sent to no one in particular? That's the associates of David Sarnoff responding to the latter's call for investment in the radio in 1921. There's no reason for any individual to have a computer in his home. Ken Olson, president of Digital Equipment Corporation, which is now gone. <laughs> Television won't last because people will soon get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. <laughs> 20th Century Fox, Dave Daryl Zanuck in 1946. The horse is here to stay, but the automobile is only a novelty, a fad. Didn't I hear that? President of Michigan Savings Bank, advising Henry Ford's lawyer. X-rays will prove to be a hoax. That was 1883. I think there is a world market for maybe five computers. This telephone has too many shortcomings to be seriously considered as a means of communication. And, um, and then this is the real killer. The head of the patent office in 1899, Charles Duell, said... Anything that can be invented has been invented. So, uh, you know, you're taking a tough position, you two. Please vote for Bitcoin. You don't want to be one of those guys. Thank you, Tim Draper.
0: The motion again. Bitcoin is more than a bubble and here to stay and here to make his closing statement against the motion. Eric Posner, law professor at the University of Chicago.
3: So I hope you all saw how Tim changed the terms of the debate. He was talking about technologies rather than particular companies or particular instantiations of technology. So we're talking here about Bitcoin. We're not talking here about cryptocurrencies generally or the blockchain uh, blockchain technology. Now, how about Bitcoin? What should we think of it? And it's helpful now to look at some uh, data here. Um, The technical term here, by the way, is not lousy, as Jillian said before. The technical financial term is crappy, I believe. Okay, so the actual Bitcoin transaction, how long does it take? About 10 minutes. When there was high volume back uh, last fall, it would take um, days. Um, A credit card takes five seconds. How many merchants accept Bitcoin? Well, Patrick accepts Bitcoin. According to Morgan Stanley, quote, Bitcoin acceptance is virtually zero and shrinking, as if that were possible. (laughs) Top 500 online merchants, last year five, this year three. Okay, by contrast, virtually all merchants accept credit cards and cash and all other forms of currency. Uh, Why don't merchants accept Bitcoin? Because it fluctuates so much, right? So if you're selling a valuable asset like a car, that's worth $20,000 to you and you get a bunch of bitcoins which lose half their value. Unless you can get it off your hands as quickly as possible, you'll lose a ton of money. What are bitcoins good for? They're good for illegal transactions. As I mentioned before, a recent study says that 25% of bitcoin users are associated with illegal activity. How much does a Bitcoin transaction cost? It's not free. It costs um, varies across time. Right now, I think it's around a dollar per transaction. If you may, if you buy something that's very very big, Bitcoin is cheaper than a credit card. But you can still pay with credit with a check, a cashier's check, uh, cash, which is free. The, and then the upshot here is that Bitcoin's not, really not that good. What it's good for is illegal activity. Governments are obviously going to crack down on it. They've begun. China, India, the EU, South Korea, the United States have all gone after Bitcoin. Therefore, Bitcoin is a bubble. Vote no on the motion. Thank you. Eric Hosner. And the motion again is Bitcoin is more than a bubble and
0: is here to stay. And here making his closing statement in support of the motion, Patrick Burns, CEO of Overstock.com.
1: The great central banker of our time, Paul Volcker, said in the 2008 crisis, the last financial innovation that actually added any value to society was the ATM machine. What he meant was all of these insanely complicated instruments that people go to school and go to Wall Street, to—you know, they're, they're insanely complicated bets uh, that no one can figure out by them, they've added nothing to society, they've added no value. Uh, Bitcoin does. Bitcoin does. The 19th century was a, a century of deflation and growth. Uh, yes, there were financial crises. I believe the financial crises were brought about because of the legalization of fractional reserve banking and this way of letting our our elites uh, and, uh, o- overstimulate the economy and then crash and get bailed out by the government. The 20th century was a period of inflation and crises. Uh, inflation, so a dollar's worth, about two cents of what it was 100 years ago. And we've had crises just as profound as the 19th century and one worse, the, the crash Uh, 33 which was brought about by the central bankers the real thing that the real value that bitcoin brings to society Reminded of John Maynard Cain spoke of the bezel the bezel That in society there's a bezel and that is if you could freeze time and ask everyone what they thought they owned and then you could see What's there? There's a difference and the difference is the amount that has been embezzled from society it happens in different ways. There are different cheats built into the system. The institutions can't be trusted. That periodically bubbles to light. With with a Bitcoin-based economy and a Bitcoin-based financial system where everything ties to that and records are immutable, it's going to be. I think there's going to be less illegality. And by the way, last time I checked, the U.S. dollar is used by gun runners and dope runners and all that kind of stuff too. Doesn't know what he's saying. We got to outlaw that. Uh, the Bitcoin will, will reduce the bezel in our society, and it's, it's here, uh, you're going to find, if nothing else, it has value because things will anchor to it, and it's here to stay, and we should be grateful for that.
0: Thank Vote you. Vote yes. Thank you, Patrick Verne. And our final speaker will be speaking against the motion, Gillian Tett, best-selling author and U.S. managing editor of the Financial Times.
4: When Paul Volcker said that the ATM was an amazing innovation... He said it was an amazing innovation because you could go to that hole in the wall and pull out (coughs) dollars. Simple, fungible, you can take them anywhere, you can spend them. And on the dollar, there is a face or a series of faces and a promise by the government. And you might say, you know what, that promise has been severely compromised and undermined by what the government's done. Well, yes, maybe. But the question is really about relative faith. And the question is this. At least you can pick up a dollar and you can see a face and you know what stands behind it, which is the US government. If you take a Bitcoin, you're betting on computers. You're betting on the idea that somehow in this period of technological change, the first mover is going to always be there, unlike every single other period of technological change we've seen. Think of MySpace, think of those Walkman. But you're also betting on something else. If you ask who created Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, well, who is he, or she, or they? Could you put them onto a dollar bill? Could you actually even create something as simple and easy as an ATM that Volker loved so much? No. So the question is this, would you rather bet on Volcker? Would you rather bet on something you can hold? Would you rather bet on the US government with all its flaws? Would you rather bet on the competition of governments? If you don't like the US government, go buy Swiss currency instead. Or would you rather find this Satoshi and bet on them? To me, it's about relative trust. And to me, it's very clear you should reject this motion.
0: Thank you, Gillian Tet. And that concludes round three of our Intelligence Square debate. And now it's time to learn which side you feel has argued the best. We want to ask you to again to go to the voting device, which is your mobile device, and go to our website, iq2us.org forward slash vote. You'll be presented with the same choices of for, against, or undecided. And I'll point out again that we name as the victor in the room here, the team whose numbers have changed the most between the first and the second vote, although I want to point out also that voting continues online. So there's the room, and then there's the world out there that will eventually hear everything that, and see everything that took place here today. And while, um, while you're doing that vote, I want to just say a couple of things. First of all, uh, I mentioned at the beginning what a pleasure it is to be here at this conference uh, and, and also, what, just what a pleasure it was to work with the people at Adam Smith who made this so easy for us and so inviting. Uh, and, and actually, I also feel put us in front of a really strong, thoughtful, reflective, challenging audience. So, to, to, to Adam Smith, thank you so much for having us here. And then um, I also want to thank everybody who got up and asked a question, including the questions that I didn't take and the questions I wasn't able to get to and the gentleman who stepped aside. Uh, I appreciate that a great deal, and uh, um, uh, if I went a little too far in that, please forgive me, but you were gr- enormously gracious about it, and uh, the questions that we got as a result were also spectacular. And the last thing I want to say is that uh, this was a really, really for- fiercely argued debate Um, and I I thought that the way in which you all handled each other and conducted it was really respectful while robust, And, uh, uh, and that's really what we try to get going at Intelligence Squared. We really want to hear the ideas interact with each other, and you did it. You brought it to that level, so I want to thank all four of you for the way that you did this. Thanks so much. Uh, We want to thank Quantum for supporting this debate. Quantum advisor uh, and, and longtime friend of Intelligence Squared US, Jeffrey Wernick, could not actually be here with us tonight, but we wanted to recognize him and his partner, Zuri Zhang, for their support and their guidance along the way. Um, Something else to share on May 2nd, we'll be debating in Washington, D.C. in a partnership with Georgetown Law. Uh, On that night, we will be debating whether or not uh, negotiations with North Korea can denuclearize that nation. Our guest will be New America's Suzanne DiMaggio. Uh, Ambassador Bonnie Jenkins, former CIA analyst Sumi Terry, and Yale research scholar Mira Rapp Hooper. Before the debate, um, Suki Kim, whom you may know is the only journalist ever to go undercover in North Korea and then come out and write a book about it, will join me on stage for a keynote conversation. So if you're in D.C., please join us. May 14th, IQ2US will be back here in New York. We'll be debating uh, with uh, on automation and gl- uh, global democracy with Ian Bremmer, Yasha Monk, Alina Polyukova, and Andrew Keen. Uh, then in June, we'll be at the Aspen Ideas Festival. We'll be hosting two debates there, and information about all of these events will be available on our website. Uh, for those of you, I've mentioned that, uh, that this debate lives on afterwards. For, so for those of you who can't uh, be in our live audience for any of the events I'm talking about, there are a lot of other ways to catch these debates. Um, You can visit our website, iq2us.org, to vote, to watch, to listen to podcasts, and a lot more. Membership is free. You just set up an account, uh, and you can start tracking your favorite debates. And you can watch all of our debates also uh, on Roku uh, and Apple TV On Demand. Uh, again, we have an app on, on those platforms, on Apple TV and Roku. Just look for IQ2US. Uh, and you can also listen to these debates on public radio stations across the country. We, our, our reach is growing all the time, and, and we're really pleased and, and delighted by that. Um, I just had a question for our debaters. Again, given you know, knowing how fiercely you both fought, you, both sides fought this, I'm just curious, and I'm, not, I'm really not trying to create a kumbaya moment at all. Um, I'm just curious, we're just curious about whether you know, uh, the experience of hearing your opponent's ideas kind of stated uh, rationally and coherently and respectfully gets through to you in any way in your thinking. Did you hear anything from the other side that you said, ah, you know, maybe they have a point, maybe I need to think about that. Patrick, I, I almost definitely. felt that I heard you even sh- sort of sharing that experience in the debate. So what about that?
1: Well, I definitely uh, I'm, I'm open to... The, the, uh, the regulat- regulatory point of view, which is basically, I mean, one in doubt, err on the side of status quo. And that's okay because I actually think this is so disruptive. I'm afraid. I want to move forward, but I'm afraid of the transition. So I'm the conservatives over there who want to move slowly or who doubt this world, we can live with
3: a little bit of conservatism. Uh, how many on, on the other side, anybody? Absolutely. I mean, as a, you know, I'm a I'm an academic, and the one thing you learn from studying history, intellectual history, is how frequently people are wrong. So, one has to um, uh, approach these topics with humility, and it's been quite valuable to hear these ideas from the from the others.
0: Something side. I need to say to you, Eric Posner, is of all the debaters we've ever had, you have said the most with the fewest words, that several times. Yeah. The, <laughs> the
3: other way around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: You, you, you really found ways to pivot in interesting ways and, and say one or two words, and, and, and they
2: were paragraphs. How about you, Tim? Well, I think I'm probably the least, uh, least good debater. Oh, the- no, you were good. <laughs> but I think the vision is the right vision. It's the optimistic vision. It's the vision of a future that is better than what we've got. And I think that's where uh, – and I did – yeah, it was, it was fun. I learned a lot about how to debate.
4: This is my
0: first
2: debate ever. It was fun. Gillian, what about you?
4: Um, Well, I'd agree that I think Professor Posner is probably the smartest, not just the the (laughs) briefest speaker, but the smartest speaker by far. I would say that it's always great to be reminded afresh of the enthusiasm and passion that drives innovation. Yeah. Um, I may not necessarily agree that the innovation is quite all it's presented as. I actually think, if anything, Bitcoin will have a leapfrog effect which is why I think it's a bubble, but actually hearing the passion and innovation so the passion and belief in innovation is always very refreshing in every yeah. sense
0: well thank you I, I had a great time uh, with all of you and as, a, as moderator even even debating with you about who was the moderator was, 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 was a pleasure <laughs> yes, <we're done>. uh, <laughs> I uh, so we have the results. I'd like to share the results. And again, I want to remind you, there's an online vote that, that continues. This is the vote of those of you who were in the room here today in New York. So the final results go like this. And again, it's the difference between the first and the second votes that determines our winner. The motion. Bitcoin is more than a bubble in here to stay. Before the debate in polling, the live audience, 39% agreed with the motion. 38% were against. And 23% were undecided. Those are the first results. Again, the difference. The team arguing for the motion, let's look at their first vote, was 39%. Their second vote was 25%. They lost 14 percentage points. The team against the motion, their first vote was 38%. Their second vote was 68%. They pulled up 30 percentage points. That means the team arguing against the motion. Bitcoin is more than a bubble and here to stay. Declared our winner by our audience here today. But remember, the debate is not over yet. Our audiences tuning in online, on public radio, and on our podcast still have time to vote. You can see those results going online at iq2us.org. For me, John Donman and Intelligence Squared US, thank you to the Adam Smith Society. Thank you to all of you, and we'll see you next time.